all the supports and all of the things that have been built over this time need to, to carry on as the new normal because that's what you know we should have it should have been all along anyway so Looking after our mental health at work has never felt more important for all of us. So welcome to this very special season of the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor and for this series, I'll be talking to experts, CEOs, human resources, diversity, inclusion, and other leaders in their field on the very current and necessary topic of mental health within teams and in the workplace, whether that's in an office or in your home. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast, uh, the special season 10 episodes where we're talking all about this very current topic, mental health at work. Uh, I'm very excited today. We have got a, a dear friend. We've done some work together uh, in the past. We've known each other for a little while. It's Hannah Meredith. She is a health and well-being advisor for a company called MVF Global. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks, Petra. It's great to be here. Super great to have you. I like how Thank set up you are. You've got the, the you've got the working at home thing down. Yeah, uh, if, if people aren't on video, check out the the YouTube version because you'll see all the perfect books. And Hannah just knows what she's what she's doing. Um, so we got a couple warm up questions just to get yeah. a flavor of who you are. Uh, first one: What has been, if you can think off the top of your head, the best piece of advice that you have gotten about your work or career? What's the best piece of advice? I think, um, actually, we're probably going to come to this point a few times, but it's around um, not pouring from an empty cup. And I'm sure you probably said it to me at some point, you know, um, you can't really help anyone until you're, you're okay. So it's definitely sort of making sure um, your cup is full first um, before you're able to, because you can be obviously, you know, um, supporting people all day long. And if you're not feeling okay, that um, that's a real drain on, on your energy and your mental health. So, yeah. That's a great one. Um, and we'll go into so what some of those uh, details are. But um, absolutely, for those of us in the, the people teams, HR, health and well-being, who are now supporting teams and employees, but also managers, leaders, perhaps even advising CEOs in that level, um, mm -hmm. it can really take a, take a toll over time. Um, what do you think is the impact just of this constant uh, support that we need to give to other people? Um, burnout for sure and and feeling completely drained um, yeah I definitely don't always manage to keep to, to the advice you know sometimes you can't avoid it but um, I think it's really important to keep it in mind absolutely that's yeah. on so what our second sort of warm-up question uh, was there anything that you needed to unlearn to better yourself in your career and sort of get to the place that you're at what did you need to unlearn Everything, and I'm still unlearning it. So You're still unlearning it. Still a work in progress. Um, yeah, you know, there's just constant imposter syndrome. You know, my job uh, is is quite a new role um, that doesn't necessarily exist anywhere. And I think, uh, especially three three and a half years ago, when the role was created, there was a lot of, um, well, what even is that? That sounds like a cool job, but what do you even do? Like, yeah. You know, you just organize massages or you know yeah. so there's a lot of um there's no there's no sort of specific route into this role and um you know I got into it from like lived experience which we'll, we'll talk about I'm sure um so yeah I think I'm constantly trying to unlearn those kind of uh, behaviors of self-doubt and um 
yeah trying to believe in myself and you know know that I can I can do the job so yeah I love that yeah yeah and learn everything I think we need to do like a little meme on that just to get that on social media what did you need to unlearn um and I guess putting yourself out there uh, because I've seen a little bit of your journey you you've sort of felt the feelings of self-doubt and that sort of thing but showed up anyway created a role and uh it's fair to say MVF Global are on some of the top 100 places to work often aren't they on the Sunday Times mm. list yeah and, we're number one you're like a few years <laughs> but, in a row right we yeah we've got the top five the last few years that we've entered it but this year we actually came first in February so that was a great night yeah outstanding super amazing yeah so so um we really want to pick your brain about what are some of the things that have really supported MVF Global within your role to to be uh, on these lists um but equally let's just talk about mental health at work so we both before we went uh started recording we looked at the news and we're like holy shit there may be a secondary lockdown or a level two lockdown in the UK uh, what did it feel like just to look at that again? Awful. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it just feels like how can we how can we do that? How can we do this again now? You know, it's really it's really daunting because I think um, I'm not going to lie. The first time it happened, I think it was there was a little bit of like the unknown and oh, it's scary. But also it's like, oh, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit exciting. You're excited yeah. about the Zoom quizzes and you're excited about, you know, all these things that you're going to do and, you know, cooking loads of food and things like that. But this time it's just I just don't I don't know um, how people or how I will cope with it, to be honest. Um, and I think it's just very confusing as well. There's just a feeling of like confusion of like, what exactly can we do? What can't we do? Um, that uncertainty piece yeah. that just adds to the stress, right? Yeah, definitely. Because the messaging has been so mixed and, you know, it's just constant. And I try to avoid it because it's not been great to follow it. And I know that um, MVF will tell us the important things anyway. Um, but obviously, yeah, the, the latest report literally just came out, didn't it, before we were speaking. So I sure, so our heads, our heads still spinning and we're wondering about mm. uh, birthdays and plans and kids. Yeah. And like, we can we still do something? Everything. Yeah, it's oh, really so it's, it's just deflating. Now, I know you and I have been in the mental health space for years, right? So so I've been working in well-being and um, supporting uh, your own company and me, you know, wider companies to think about this topic. Um, so, so we know that this is an issue already, right? Mm -hmm. But now suddenly this issue is blowing wide open. So globally, companies are, are talking about it and thinking we now need to be seen to be doing something. You guys have been yeah. doing stuff for a little mm -hmm. while. Um, what yeah. do you see as the impact on, of, on mental health though, first of all? And then I'd love to go into what are some of the things that you guys have been doing? Sure. Um, of the pandemic specifically, I sure. think there's going to be lasting long term effects because not only has it exasperated people who have already got like anxiety disorders, for example, um, people have not been able to get the treatment that they normally would because, you know, they've not been able to access um, their doctors or hospital appointments. So it's, it's going to have a huge, I think, long term knock, knock on effect. And I do think you know, there really needs to be extra support in there from from the government for people suffering from mental health um, illnesses. But I think that we will also see a surge in people with new symptoms, you know, from it, um, which is really, really sad. Yeah, it's almost like the, the magnifying glass is on anyone who already mm -hmm. has a predisposition or uh, is, is even if they've managed it well, the, the, the adrenaline, the fear, the stress that's around us. And then really good point that we haven't actually heard much of yet on this podcast is 
access to services. So, mm -hmm. so, so now um, perhaps waiting times are longer, perhaps the, we know the NHS is inundated. So if you can't sort of afford to source your own care, you really might just be uh, suffering uh, alone. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just that point on the magnifying glass, I, I really think that's what's happened a lot, especially with the first lockdown. People were suddenly alone with whatever they might have been avoiding or, you know, life has been typically very busy and you're just on this constant hamster wheel. And that was taken away for a lot of people. So um, you're going to see things. Things are being brought to the surface, I think, for a lot of people as well because of it. So um yeah it's it's definitely it's going to be hard and i know people that are experiencing longer waiting times and not that are not able to access um support through the nhs so that is where businesses do need to to step in i think and and offer that support so offer it sort of uh, internally i mean many of us also had our routines that were sort of given to us mm -hmm. some at least part way so this is the time you start work this is your commute this is the time you finish that sort of hamster wheel as as you say and now for many of us if we are at home we've got to almost create have more um agency over creating some of those ourselves right otherwise mm -hmm. you know things fall by the wayside and our own mental health suffers Definitely. Yeah. And I think one of the things we did straight away when lockdown hit was sort of publish a lot of information and guidance and, and training on how to manage your day and how to make sure you're having that cut off time. Because even though I definitely didn't stick to it in the beginning of lockdown, you know, suddenly you're working, you know, there's no there's no end to your working day or just picking up the laptop after dinner, you know, so um I think that's really important as well to make sure employees know that that you know they need to finish work and putting in some clear like parameters around that and meeting free times and things as well um yeah definitely. yeah just to, to switch off and have those routines and have permission from your employer yeah. to to create those spaces um so talk me through some of the highlights of the things that you've done within your company who you've brought in over the last three years so so i know there's been more reactive support that's needed to take place um now in the pandemic but i'm just curious because you guys are on those top lists of, of good places yeah. to work what are some of the things that get you on those lists what have what have you brought in Sure. Um, well, we've had um, a multifaceted sort of wellbeing strategy in place that we launched officially to the business in, in uh, 2018. But obviously, I've had my role, which is dedicated to health and wellbeing. That role was created sort of three and a half years ago. So um, we have under that strategy and under the Be Well program, you know, we've been running a lot of sort of physical activities as well, yoga, um, Every type of exercise you can think of, we had um, an, an MVF club for before before lockdown, and um, sort of you know free lots of free healthy food and nutritionist talks and things like that. And then in the mental health space, um, we started with an EAP, which is actually how I met you a few years yeah. ago because you um, at the time came and introduced the the EAP to us, yeah. um, and that was kind of our starting point. And then we've built on that, and in terms of mental health strategy, we started to do um, panel discussions, um, have people in sharing their experiences. We've had live theatre at, um, at our head office a few times. Um, fantastic. Well, say more about that. I remember it was um, quite specific to the topic of depression, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's a fantastic friend and colleague of mine. 
Chantelle Doucette, who's an amazing writer. Um, and she has written um, several pieces, but um, this piece is uh, specifically about her personal experience um, going through depression. And it's incredibly uh, confronting and it's, it's sort of almost a monologue. There's, there's one other person in it. So it's very kind of intimate um, performance. And we've actually, I think we've run it three times now for World Mental Health Day the last few years. Um, and then we do like a panel discussion after that. Um, and it's, it's just, it's brilliant. And it really um, hits it home to people, I think. Uh, being able to sort of see that in a in a kind of dramatic way they can sort of relate to it because it's almost like how you would relate to watching something on tv or it's just in, in a different context isn't it so um that's worked really well um and then I think you know having different uh, like lunchtime events and things like that and lunchtime talks always works um and that sort of carried on for us now we we, we still do that but obviously as you know because you did um, a panel discussion for us recently we do those over zoom yeah um but i think we've been sort of in the space of raising the awareness for quite a while um for sort of three years um, and getting people talking about it and then we ask people to share their stories for the last um couple of years as well for mental well mental health day um which we had in what sort of, of format is that sort of videos so, or is it getting together written written oh, account and they can be anonymous or otherwise but a lot of people chose to have chosen to do them non-anonymously and include myself um and that that to be honest has had a huge impact on on the culture and how um how many people engage with the stories as well because people naturally want to want to let you know find out they're curious about other people so um you know with the sort of events that you do physically you might see a like a lesser turnout sort of 50 people something like that but when you're doing the stories you've got hundreds of people reading them and then getting that different perspective you know someone else's experience and that obviously the the experiences that people share are, are so um varying because there's just a full full spectrum isn't there of, of how people can um experience mental health so the story sharing is something I, I recommend, but it can be quite triggering as well. So definitely make so sure put you put the got... support in place. I'm curious. So if a business listening, you know, they're like, oh, this sounds amazing. First of all, you're investing in this topic with your role, as well as with a host of other things. And, and I'm really getting that it's not a one size fits all. So you're putting mm -hmm. some variety out there of, of, of what's sort of um, possible for people. But was there any resistance from sort of leaders or managers to like freeing their people up or allowing them the space? You know, when when I know you got high pressure deadlines and, and workloads as well, like what was there resistance? And if so, like, how do you tackle that? Yeah, I think um, in certain teams and departments, there can be um, a bit of resistance, especially when we're under the high targets and we're trying to hit, you know, these big targets and things like that. So definitely, I think certain teams need um, things that they can relate to or engage with in a different way. So they might not be able to come up, you know, to the well-being day, but um, they could they could do something else or they could re-watch a recording later, that sort of thing. So I think it's important to think about, um, you know, different departments and, and different roles in the company and how they work um, and what sort of pressures they might be under and um, what sort of culture there is in, in, the, in those teams as well. And make sure you're kind of offering something for, for everybody to be able to access um, you know, the same, the same events or, you know, at least, um, something comparable really.
Sure. Um, and what about the, the culture of, of, of openness, I guess? So you've got the stories, you've got the way that people can communicate their experience. I know you have outsourced counseling and places where people can get support that way. Um, specifically now, if we if we come back to this pandemic Zoom era, do you find that it's more difficult to, to create those open spaces for sharing? You know, what's the culture like? How comfortable are people being open about their stories? I actually think we're perhaps moving, we're getting even more open because, as you know, we've sort of partnered with, with Sanctus recently and the turnout we saw for those events was really high as well. And I think um, it's quite it's quite normal MVF now to talk about mental health. And, um, yeah, I, I think although we don't see too many people reaching out to the mental health first aiders that we've got, um, they all there's 30 of us and we all talk about it in our teams we all check in you know so you kind of get a flavor and they're all really are like they're kind of championing mental health across the business as well in every team every department so um i think if anything we've got more open and and the fact that our ceo at the start of uh, lockdown michael sort of stood up and he was really keen to know what are we doing for mental health what more can we do and that's how obviously we've been able to proposition you know and get sanctus in now which is someone i've wanted to work with for a long time um because michael it's really important to him and he you know he was one of the people that was super aware suddenly of his own mental health and that everyone is you know going through this pandemic in a, in a really difficult way so um i think that sort of senior leadership standing up and saying this is important we give you the time to to go to these sessions you know these are the resources that are available um we do like weekly update video talks with michael and he always is shouting out to the events that we're doing and um you know the sanctus coaching and, and things like that so um i think that's important to make sure you've got that from the, the leadership as well Absolutely. Uh, and for people who don't know who Sanctus are, uh, they provide one-to-one -one mental health coaching um, to a, a broad range of businesses and are really, um, they really support community. Uh, I know James and George quite well, so they, we, we sort of uh, partner often. Uh, just because our ethos and vision is aligned, where we like talking about good mental health and that proactive approach, as well as, of course, when we're uh, struggling, as many of us are nowadays. Um, so let's talk about you, Hannah. I warned you. Um, I'd love to know, like, what is your, you, you know, you said earlier, you, you indicated that getting into this role was partly because of your personal experience and your personal story. How has mental health affected you? What's your personal connection to it? Yeah, so um, it's really it's really funny because like, when I think about this, um, it's only the last few years, I guess, since doing this job that I've sort of realised that I've probably had anxiety my whole life, but I had no idea. Um, and actually sharing my story, MVF kind of having to think about that and think about when did these feelings start, you know, and actually I can't remember them ever not being there. Um has made me yeah sort of learn a lot more about myself and that actually yeah I probably did have anxiety even as a you know as a child essentially so um, I grew up um, you know I had a lovely upbringing nothing you know awful but my mum had some some mental health concerns she's got you know eating issues and um, she wasn't happy but her and my dad were having um, problems and my dad wasn't around because he was actually a mental health nurse so I had that oh, wow. connection early on with mental health but it was never like discussed like oh you you know 
you might have anxiety Hannah you know dad very much deals with people on on um who are very unwell so it's um it's a different end of, of the spectrum I the think yeah, and I, I had major, I started to, I think from a super young age, I, I just thought I didn't like school, but I, um, you know, I would hide under my bed so I didn't have to go to school. I, I barely, I barely went to school because I hated it so much. And I, you know, I just thought, oh, I just don't like school. It's not for me. But when I started writing my story recently and well, a couple of years ago now, but, you know, I sort of started to think, well, actually that's not really normal mm-hmm. um and I still have those feelings and I still I think you know essentially it's it's social anxiety and I have um you know I've been prescribed some medication that I take um occasionally when it gets bad but it's not you know something I have to take all the time um but yeah I think just realizing that I didn't necessarily know that and no one ever spoke to me about that as a child or that that might be what was going on with me until I was in my 30s um, has really made me not really want anyone else to have to go through that and just think, oh, you know, there's something wrong with me or it's just the way I am. I'm not really, you know, I'm just not normal because the more I think we can talk about it and educate people and even children that they might be feeling things you know and that's that there are coping strategies and things that we can teach kids as well um yeah it's made me want to to work in it and I've always been super passionate about well-being and health in general um but yeah that's kind of more my link to, to mental health really and um I think you know seeing my mum who's like nearly 60 and she's never really kind of dealt with anything um, and she had a cancer scare last year and she, yeah, she just didn't, she couldn't cope with it because there's so much that work that she needs to do by, you know, by her age and there's things that she needs to deal with. And I tried to fix her <laughs> and get education and yeah, yeah. And I, I realized after that, I was like, you know, what? I, can't, I can't do this. I'm just going to be there for you. I can't, you know, trying to get her to have therapy, meditation, do the diet, everything, you know, but um, I think the earlier we can I just for me I just don't want to get to that point where I'm you know I haven't dealt with any of any of my stuff when I'm you know I guess how it can build up if we don't deal with it um so you talked about I just want to get specific about some of the symptoms for you so people recognize what it could look like Mm -hmm. so when you're younger you didn't want to go to school uh what were some of the other symptoms for you for people who don't know much about anxiety I mean, intense uh, feeling of panic and in your heart and your stomach uh, at the thought of, of doing anything in front of people or seeing seeing people even, speaking to people. Um, it actually got so bad for me before I turned 30 um, that I was having sort of paranoid delusions in the end. Um, you know, I sort of thought people... Um, were talking about me and didn't you know hated me thought I smell all these things because it escalated because I've been spending quite a lot of time on my own at that point so um I think now it kind of manifests in um constant constantly my mind's racing and my all my mind will go completely blank and I can't you know can't think of anything um yeah it's definitely still there and it's something I have to kind of um manage and yeah, it's definitely, it's not over, that's for sure. But I don't think sure. it ever is mental health. It's, you know, you just kind of move around the the spectrum a bit and um, hopefully find ways that you can manage it and, and live without it encroaching, you know, too much on, on, on your life sort of thing. 
Sure. So there's some self-awareness, uh, mm -hmm. understanding your own symptoms, what might be going on for you, and then finding the coping strategies that, that help you. And I imagine they evolve over time, but what are yeah. some of the things that, that work for you that help you kind of manage it or know when you're like, oh, I'm going a bit too far. I got to like mm -hmm. pull it back and look after myself. It's funny because actually doing the opposite thing. So socializing, if I'm left to my own devices, you know, things it's, it gets spirals, you know, overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I need to see people. I need to talk to people for me to, you know, it distracts me. So definitely, um, you know, making sure I'm keeping in touch with people and socializing on some level as much as you can into this, this strange world that we're in. yeah does that just make it so much harder like if you had habits around some kind of socializing to manage it mm, yeah so. actually I've noticed because I was saying to you I've, we've moved house and um this house I'm all alone in all day and actually yeah I need to watch that I, I realized yesterday I had a bit of a bad day and I was like I need to to make sure I'm going to you know see people or having a call with someone at lunch because if I'm not on calls all day which I, I wasn't this week um I'm just left to my own devices that you know which I think isn't the best for me um but also exercise is massive um especially since you know we've just been kind of stuck in one room essentially all day long and then you're mm. stuck in the house getting out getting a walk having fresh air doing some exercise trying to meditate I find meditation really helps um but I don't do it enough um and when I do, it's almost a bit emotional, actually, because it's like, wow, yes, thank you. This is what you should be I doing. That as well. Yeah. I get all a bit, I get a bit tearful if I, yeah. can, if I am able to sit with myself mm. long enough and not be in distracting, helping mode with other people. It actually mm. has a real emotional impact for me. Um, when you do uh, meditate, what kind of stuff do you use? Is it just music? Do you do some guided stuff? What works? Yeah, guided stuff works much better for me. Um, I can sit down with my partner and meditate if it's both of us without any guidance. But if I'm on my own, um, yeah, I find the apps really good. Um, we've actually partnered with Headspace um, at MVF, so we're launching that soon. So I'll be making making most of that. Um, but I'm on Beachbody on Demand, and they've got this fantastic um, program on there, 30 days of um, re re recalm or something it's called so and they're really good to have like guest speakers on a different one each day so um yeah just try different things i had the calm app before which was great um you know and i don't think you don't uh, one thing i've learned is that you know not to be too intimidated by meditation like just 10 minutes is enough to i find just to calm my brain and set me I up love that. yeah, yeah. i find if i focus on my breathing it's actually harder for me but if mm. i focus on sort of the body scan or a part of my body that mm. that actually works better for me so it's it's it depends uh what works for you um i know you've just moved in uh with well you haven't just moved in with your partner you've been living together but with other people so you've moved mm. in together um i've been with my partner now for about 18 months and i find that I have, I get post-traumatic stress disorder and usually it's, it's cool. I can manage it and it's, it doesn't flare up, but I found that during the, the pandemic and perhaps the change of moving in that I've had more sort of flare ups of my own mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress. What kind of, do you feel like my, my partner's had to step up to support mm -hmm. me in, in ways that perhaps he hasn't had to before? Um, do you feel like there's an extra pressure in a partnership with the pandemic to support each other's mental health? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> um, I think also 
I don't know, someone said to me, you know, that um, if you make it through the pandemic, <laughs> then you've got a good solid, you know, you can, you can make it through anything, <laughs> basically. And I, I think that's true. Like, it's, you know, it's definitely not been easy, has it, for anyone, um, whether you're in a relationship or not. But I think, it, yeah, it's definitely put extra pressure on on relationships. And, um, yeah, you need to you need to be open with each other and, you know, make sure you're communicating, I think. Um, what you need and what's you know what's going to help um because they, i think for, for my partner bless him otherwise he feels a bit lost it's like i don't know i don't you know so yeah. yeah that's a good point like actually trying to give them insight or information on how they can help because they often want to help but are a bit like oh what do i do yeah. you know so so there's just that real openness definitely and i think if you're supporting someone as well it's just as simple as asking what is going to help you what can I do you know what do you need um and just trying to have that dialogue because sometimes you know when you're in sort of um meltdown mode as I call it when I'm having a, a meltdown uh you're not really all sometimes you're not ready to hear it but just maybe you know if I say to Joe like this is what might happen um and sometimes I can't see that it's happening as well mm -hmm. which is funny like it takes another person to go like you're yeah are you okay <laughs> like let's take a minute you know so I think once you know you get to know each other and they you tell them sort of yeah what, what what you need it's a good start definitely it's a process though isn't it of, mm -hmm. of that information and trial and error in a way yeah. to to see how to to help what about um friendships or you know how can other people because we often get that right so maybe that person isn't suffering with anxiety or depression or those other things but they they have friends or their their family or their kids or you know colleagues are struggling in some way what do you think are the best ways to support others well i think you really it's really difficult because i I've often over support people um and just going back to that point you know you can't you really can't feel poor from an empty cup you need to make sure you're okay first um and that's it's really hard to do when you've got people sort of reaching out to you but essentially all you can do is is listen to people really you know we're not i'm not a doctor i'm not you know most of us aren't or you are <laughs> you're trained but even then but, our, our yeah. training is to listen and empower yeah. others solutions so it's just the, an exaggeration of that yeah i think um it can be scary i think as you know that's why it's so important that there's more of these conversations happening and there's more um awareness around mental health because people are sometimes too scared to to broach it or you know ask but it's just really important just to ask how are you you know that's that literally it's as simple as that and that can that can open up the conversation you know so um yeah definitely just just try to listen and be non-judgmental obviously and and as supportive as you can and empathy is is key and it certainly helps if as a business you have places to signpost people to yeah so where you do have the counseling or the sanctus coaching or uh, resources the stories uh, it sounds like at least you've got that backup in your business uh so so for people listening you know it try and get your leaders to invest in or or create spaces to effectively signpost given uh the the, the difficulty in getting support at the moment yeah definitely and you know i think Mental health first aiders are fantastic. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what they're there for. 
Um, and I think you really need to make sure you're communicating clearly to the business um, what their what their training is, what they're there for, and that they're properly equipped with the signposting. So if you haven't got internal stuff, make sure they've got really good external resources and, and you know, helplines and um, places that they can signpost people to if they are, you know, having to support people. Um and EAPs are fantastic. They do a lot of a lot of things, but it's it's very um, they're, it's very much in the reactive space. And I think if you can get some preventative measures in place, it's um, yeah, it's it's going to save you in the long run, um, and it's going to save a lot of people getting to the point where they need to have therapy, or you know, it's at that end of the spectrum. Um, if there's some preventative safe spaces that they can access support. Absolutely. Focus on prevention, uh, especially yeah. uh, now when we're all in a little bit of crisis. So I'd love to just go into a bit of forward gazing uh, for the future of workplaces when it comes to the topic of mental health. People are throwing around this title, the new normal, and this is mm. the this is the new uh, way of the world. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think that we are forever changed as a as a workforce? I mean, I hope so. I hope I hope that we have learned something, you know, because it would be a shame for this to happen just to to go back to the way things were because some things weren't working and, and a lot of businesses weren't giving people uh, the flexibility to work from home as uh, by default or to dictate what their working hours should be. And I think there's a lot we can learn um, from, from the pandemic. And um, yeah, I, I hope that we do carry on you know, in, in some ways to to allow more trust, I guess, in, in people to tell us what they need. And um, yeah, I, I definitely see things being different um, in the future. Um, and I think what's happened with the pandemic as well as there's been like a huge um, awakening almost for mental health. Uh, you mentioned earlier we've been working this space for quite a few years now and we've been, yeah. it feels like we've been banging the drum and suddenly everyone's everyone is wanting to do something for mental health or is super aware of it. So that needs to continue. That can't be just for now. That is that is where we've been trying to get the world to anyway. So I think um all the supports and all of the things that have been built over this time need to, to carry on as the new normal because that's what you know we should have it should have been all along anyway so but yeah. I love that you're saying there's actually an opportunity in this so there's there's actually some good that can come out of this and and uh, not many people have mentioned the the almost forcing us to learn how to trust each other within mm -hmm. that remote um, kind of space and uh, realizing that we can be productive and people maybe need slightly different things but that conversation and openness transparency is more important than ever yeah definitely yeah. absolutely so there's something there's something good about it um what are you worried about so as a well-being professional in your workplace given that we we may have another lockdown some people are in isolation um what 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 are your concerns and i know this just happened this morning but mm -hmm. do you have any 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 like oh god you know how am i going to do my job effectively what are we worried about I'm super worried about people that are isolated. You know, we at MVF, we run, we have been, we've always, you know, rely on engagement surveys and things. But since lockdown, we've started new um, sort of smaller surveys to find out exactly, you know, what how people are doing. And 
um, you know, there's a group of people that have identified themselves as really uh, struggling to be working at home. It's unbearable for them for a variety of reasons. Either they're on their own or there's building work or, you know, they just can't cope with it anymore. And, you know, for those people, I'm, I'm super, super worried if if the government says that they can't now access the office because we made like a, a safe space for these people to, to access. So, um you know the implications of, of that for for people um that are really struggling already i think are are really worrying so um yeah we'll be looking to put some extra support in for them somehow we have to you know so um and just yeah i think going back to what i was saying about worrying you know the the general <laughs> overall mental health of everybody and, and new conditions and new symptoms that people will be suffering from um, and more delays with healthcare and, and being able to get support. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really worrying. And, you know, obviously the world itself is pretty worrying right now too. So. It is all a little bit worrying. So um, let's not end on the worrying yeah, note, no, but let's, let's end think. On the positive note. Well, I'd love to know, like, what are the top three things that you would say to other uh, HR people teams, like the, the 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 people who are in that internal well-being space, where their company they they have similar worries to you. What mm. would you say are the top three things? You you may not have all the solutions because you're figuring it out. <laughs> we all are, right? We're all trying to figure it out. But what are the top three things you think they should consider moving forward? Yeah. Um... Obviously, definitely investing in some sort of support that isn't an EAP. Um, so something where people can access um, a confidential space to talk about their mental health, I think, is, is really a valid investment. And I don't know about the others. I think, obviously, making sure you're looking after yourself and your team. <laughs> I mean, it goes really without important. saying, but it, it's we, we're forgetting all the time. I'm forgetting all the time. I'm like, that that person's need trumps my own and, yeah. and they're in crisis. So I'm going to not do the exercise today or I'm going to, I don't have time for meditation. Let me just, I got to be right. And then three, four five days in, I think it's a shorter and shorter space of time now yeah. when we're feeling <laughs> the, the impact ourselves. Yeah. So, so I think that's a key one. How are you prioritizing yourself and telling people that you are, I think yeah. it's super powerful as well, where you tell them, Hey, I'm taking my lunch break to do uh, beach body on demand or the, the one that you do. I do, I do the hit and the yeah. um, uh, body pump Pop now thing. I've got. Yeah. But I've also got like a weight bar now. So I'm Amazing. doing body pump in my living so room. <laughs> um, but that, that sort of leading by example piece, I yeah, think is really we coming have to strongly. definitely. It's really important. And, you know, I was saying to you earlier, we've been nonstop people teams since March and it's not going to let up because every time there's new, you know, a new um, scheme or there's some new legislation it's it's constant and um yeah we have to make sure that we're filling our cup first and um our fantastic um cpo Ange actually has introduced something called the well-being um, wake up to our team so we don't have to start till 10 to make sure in the winter months we've got time to to get outside or do do something for our well-being in the morning so Things like that that you can introduce where you're giving people some time that's specifically for them and for their well-being is 
yeah, okay, it, it's going to cost you something in in time, but we shouldn't really be measuring people on on the time, the hours that they're putting in anyway. So we should be measuring output, right? Well, so, right, and the return on investment of yeah. give, giving people that trust, that space to invest in themselves doesn't actually cost you anything. Um, but the the return on investment on productivity, um, loyalty, all of these things is mm. huge. It's been a game changer for us, for our team, and like just being able to have that extra time, and then you do so much more work you know you'll feel so much more productive in the day and and let's be honest generally you know you're not you're not no one's clocking off on the dot at five most people are staying until they get done what they need to do and I think just making sure um yeah people have that time is is a really is something that most businesses could actually do um, without any financial investment needed, you know. I love that. So if that's the first step you take is just create some time for your people, uh, get open about your own mental health. And I think the title of this episode is Fill Your Own Cup Up. Yeah, uh, That's quite a title, <laughs> but I think it should be. Hannah, thank you so much for thank your you, time Petra. and your ideas. Thank you so much. No worries. Great to be here. Thank you. As always, we've covered a lot of areas that you may feel you want to learn more about. If you would like a free well-being assessment for your company, email us at hello at petravelzebor.com. That's hello at P-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-Z-E-B-O-E-R.com or check out our website, petravelzebor.com.